Okay, so let's address the elephant in the room. Actually, there's two elephants in this room, but the first one, uh, yeah, I get it. We got the lights down low. It's feeling kind of sexy. If you're only listening to this, um, it's what I'm saying is the, the lights are down low, and I've got like a little blue light off to my left behind the TV and a little orange light in my little like storage cubby thing. Super YouTuber-ish. If you've ever watched like any of the talking head people on YouTube, you've seen like, you know, the lights are down kind of low and there's all kind of stupid lights in the background. But honestly, it's because it looks better. It really does. It looks better on camera. Your face isn't all blown out. Um, So that's why we're doing this. And it's also 8 o'clock at night on a Sunday night having a little bit of bourbon. I guess we'll shout them out. It's Buffalo Trace. They haven't sent me this. And to answer your question, no, I could not be on Joe Rogan's dick any harder. We're podcasting. We're drinking Buffalo Trace. So go ahead, come at me in the comments, whatever. Uh, Second elephant in the room is, hey, at least I'm consistent about being inconsistent on uploads on episodes like they're just super random and super spaced out i'm sorry i apologize it's not that i don't want to do more it's making time or lining up my schedule with the guest schedule or me just having something to talk about like myself like this episode a solo episode it's not as easy as you would think uh maybe i get in my head too much and i just feel like oh who's gonna care nobody cares about that uh but i was telling a friend of mine this story and he's a good friend of mine and I thought he knew the story but maybe he didn't know all the fine little details so when I told him he's like dude holy shit that's a good story like you should tell that on the podcast so I thought I was like oh that is a good story and there's kind of a takeaway like I don't want this podcast to be one of those like entrepreneur type and that's kind of how it started I get it but like those are boring for me to listen to like there's only so much of that I can take I just like conversations, I like entertainment, I like stuff like that. So I thought this would be a good episode. So I'm going to talk in this episode about how I got my dream job. Um, So we'll go ahead and address the fact that I'm no longer at that job, so obviously it didn't remain my dream job, job, uh, already drunk. No bad uh, feelings, no animosity, actually quite the opposite on super good terms with the company, um, just, you know, things grow and change. And maybe that's a way, a takeaway too, is, you know, the thing that you're striving for most now serves you for a while and then you move on. But the dream job was to work for Hart and Huntington. And for those that don't know, Hart and Huntington is a company that's owned by Kerry Hart, who's a freestyle motocross guy, uh, first guy to ever do a backflip on a dirt bike, If you don't know him through that, then you probably know that he's married to Pink. Uh, Usually when I talk to people about that and they have no idea about action sports or dirt bikes or anything like that, uh, they definitely know of him being married to Pink. He also, or they also, I guess I should say, had a show on um, A&E called Inked. So they had the first tattoo show that was on television, which is pretty awesome. So some people know him from that. Um, anyway, the reason that was my dream job, um, obviously it seemed cool from the outside looking in, but it was my dream job because I wanted to get closer to Carrie or at least get into the inner workings 
because I looked at this guy as he's making a living riding dirt bikes, which is something I've enjoyed my whole life and still enjoy. I don't ride dirt bikes much anymore. I haven't ridden in years, but still close to motorcycling, still would like to do some dirt bike stuff. Um, So he's making a living from dirt bikes. He started a tattoo shop, which now there's several different locations, but he's making money from tattoos and then they have a clothing line that goes along with it. All things that I was super interested in. So I thought, okay, if this is someone that's done it, that means it's repeatable. And the best way for me to repeat that is for me to get close to it myself and just kind of spend some time, see the inner workings and see what makes this whole thing go around. Now, the story of how I got the job is, I feel like it's a pretty damn entertaining one, and if I can be completely honest, I'm pretty damn proud of myself about the initiative that I took to get the job. So we'll start from the very top, you know, now that you know the why, I guess we can kind of get into the story. Be super annoying and drink liquid right into the microphone. I apologize. So starting from the top. um, Okay. So Hart and Huntington had a supercross race team. So it's hard for me to know who's listening. So if I'll break some of this stuff down, like in minor detail, just so you kind of can follow along. Um, Supercross is basically indoor dirt bike racing. So if you've ever heard of motocross, uh, supercross is just the inside version. Um, and here on the East Coast, where I live, they only really only do one round. They did a few on and off. Um, let's try not to get in the weeds, so let's just stick to the story. So they had one round, and it's in Atlanta. Well, at this point in time, the Hart and Huntington team also had a title sponsor, which was Dodge, so like the car company. So Dodge sponsored their team, and because of that, they were going to be in town a little early to do a signing. All the riders would go to the dealership, Carrie would go to the dealership, and they would sign posters for people as a way to draw traffic into the dealership and just kind of, you know, it's co-branding, that's that's how this whole thing works. So I knew about this, or I heard about this, or saw it somewhere, and I started thinking to myself, I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to go to that. For one, at this point in my life, I had never met Carrie in person, so automatic win there. Atlanta's roughly only two hours from where I live. So that wasn't a huge deal. But then I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I wonder if I could get there a little bit early and I could talk to somebody or work my way into, even if it's just for the day, helping them on Saturday during the race, like in the pits. You know, they've got, again, if you've never been, it's it's a big semi-truck, depending on how many riders, you know, how many different moving parts there are but so it's a big semi truck set up with a big tent that overhangs it the bikes are underneath mechanics are working on the bikes and then there's a bunch of other people working on other things to keep things running smoothly so I didn't know what I was going to do but I knew I'd been around dirt bikes and you know been to enough races and done enough stuff where I had basic knowledge of of everything. Now, I'm not qualified to be a mechanic on a pro racer's bike or anything like that, but I'm also not above doing like the grunt work, you know? So I knew somewhere there was some kind of role or position for me. So I talked to some of my buddies who were also very into Supercross, uh, into Hart and Huntington, and fans of Carry Hart as well. 
and said, hey, man, I think I'm going to ride down to that signing, but I'm going to get there a little bit early, and I'm going to try to see if I can network and talk to somebody and work my way into this whole thing. And in not so many words, they basically said, cool story, sounds like a waste of time, Um, see you when you get back. So I rolled solo solo (laughs) down to Atlanta. Um, I did get there a little bit early. And when I walked in, there wasn't a whole lot going on, but I saw they were setting up one of the bikes, uh, putting graphics on it to um, just have display, you know, to build more hype and people take pictures and stuff like that. So uh, I recognized the guy putting graphics on the bike. And I'll say this because there's, there's nothing but love for him now, but uh, it was Kenny Watson. And if you know Kenny or know of Kenny from the motorcycle world, you know, he's... <laughs> He's not an asshole, it's just, and I used to think people were full of shit when they would say this, like, oh, I'm not an asshole, that's just how I am, like, well, yeah, you're still kind of an asshole, but this is literally just the way he is. He's one of those guys, you just have to know him, and he doesn't mean anything by it. If he does, he lets you know, like, I meant something by it. But um, anyway, Kenny's putting graphics on the bike, and Kenny's been in the industry for years. Again, like I say, I recognize him, I've never met him. And he's not like a public figure per se. He's just big in the industry. So I recognize him. I go over and, you know, I kind of chat with him for a second. And uh, I ask him if he needs any help putting graphics on this bike. And he was hesitant, but he's like, uh, yeah, sure. If you want to help with the other side, that's cool. As long as you know what you're doing. I was like, yeah, man, I think, I think I even said, I was like, I think I can finish this side before you finish yours, which is pointless just you know, probably just nervous talk or whatever. So anyway, we finish up. Uh, I don't remember who, who won by the way, but we finish up and, uh, he's like, Oh cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And it was kind of nice. So I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, but by chance, would you guys need any help in the pits tomorrow? And Kenny being Kenny looked at me, literally laughed like directly in my face. And was like, nah, man, we're good. So I was like, okay, strike out there uh but we're gonna keep it going because we're still early like there's nothing else going on so i go over and sit with uh one of the team riders at the time it was a guy named chris blose and he's not really doing anything at the time i think that team was chris blose and ivan tedesco i'm pretty sure uh those were the guys that year so but either way i know it's chris blose i was talking to so i go over and sit there and we just kind of start chatting strike up conversation now i'm slightly aware of the fact that because of the way i'm dressed and because i'm so heavily tattooed that there's a chance he thinks i'm already some part of hart and huntington because the tattoo shops and the supercross team although they go together they're completely separate so There's no real way for him to know like if I was sent there or whatever. And I wasn't trying to portray that or trying to pretend like I was somebody or I was with the company in any way, shape or form. Never alluded to that, but I also didn't make it a point to say that I (laughs) wasn't either. So anyway, I ended up talking to Chris a good bit and I don't think I asked him about helping in the pits because he's a rider. Like he's just a paid professional that shows up and does his job like He's not hiring or bringing anybody on. You know, he's got his mechanic and that's kind of his deal. So I ended up talking with him a good bit. And now that I'm saying that, I think it came out towards the end of our conversation. Uh, I think I just ended up telling him like what I was doing. 
And it was basically like, well, good luck with that man. Super, super nice. Like, uh, I kept in touch with him for a good while after that. Uh, super nice guy. Um, but needless to say that nothing came of that. You know, I got to meet Carrie and talk to all the guys and do the whole deal. But I drove home kind of empty handed, if you will. So, um, I ended up going to the race, coming back to Atlanta, going to the race that weekend, um, was in the pits. I think that was the time that I saw. So Big B, um, again, if you're not familiar, he's a musician, also like Carrie's personal assistant back in the day, and they're good friends now. Like if you follow them on Instagram, you'll see the back and forth banner. Pretty entertaining. Uh, but nonetheless, like he was somebody, I was a fan of his music and a fan of him. So like I met him in the pits and stuff, but wouldn't have dared asked him like for anything or to do anything or try to get my foot in the door. You know, I think I just got a photo with him, super fanboy and, and just bounce. But so I watched the race, um, came back home empty handed and a little bit of time had passed. And, uh, I saw through Instagram that um, the Orlando Hart and Huntington Tattoo Shop was going to have its fifth year anniversary party. So I thought, well, here's another opportunity. Now, Orlando's not super close to me. I want to say it's like a, man, it's like nine or 10 hours, I think, from here. I can't remember exactly. But either way, I'd already kind of decided I was going to go. And one of the motivating factors was because at this time, I'm also running the Instagram account for a website called Shock Mansion, which is still up and running today. Um, it's a lifestyle website. They just post like, there's a section called Random Radness. Uh, there's like girls, cars, tattoos, just kind of a lifestyle website for people like myself. Um, and that's a whole other story how that came to pass, but because of that, um, they were kind of in the mix and they were a good advertising outlet for companies such as Hart and Huntington. So I don't remember which all the accounts followed me on Instagram, but I knew the Hart and Huntington Orlando tattoo shop followed me on Instagram. I thought, well, that's, it's not really anything, but it's, it's better than square one starting from square one. So that was a little incentive to head down and go to the event. So once again, I talked to all my friends and I said, hey, look, whatever beater piece of shit car I was driving at the time, I definitely did not trust to go to Orlando. So I was like, check this out. I'm going to rent a car and I'm going to rent a room and I'm going to go to this event. Now, you guys are welcome to roll with me. All you got to do is pay for whatever food or any, you know, whatever expenses you run into on the road. Uh, but the room and the, the car, the gas, all that stuff is on me. And this is something that I thought like, I'll be honest, I thought a lot of people were going to jump on this. I can't remember how many people I offered it to. And I know any of my friends that are listening now would be like, oh shit, you didn't ask me. I definitely would have gone. I probably asked you <laughs> and you weren't interested. Uh, either way. So I do, I book a room, I rent a car, I make the trip. I get down there early intentionally once again. So I don't keep in mind. I don't know anybody like I don't fucking know anybody. I know that Instagram account follows me. I don't know who runs it. Um, I didn't realize that those tattoo shops were franchised out from the company at the time. So I didn't know anything about anything. I just knew I wanted to be a part of this brand. 
So I show up several hours early. I walk into the shop, and fortunately, I was greeted by Chris, who um, owns that location as well as the Nashville location, um, and is kind of running the brand now. I run into him, and I remember specifically, he was like, like looked at me super confused. He's like, recognize me? He's like, Matt? And I was a deer in headlights because I had no clue who he was. I'm pretty sure he introduced himself or whatever, and he's just kind of taken back. He's like, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, dude, I just came down for the event, but I got here early to see if I could do anything for you guys, help set up tents or do whatever for the event. And for the second time, I got laughed at in my face. However... This was a much different laugh, and I'll never forget that. And Chris, if you're listening, like that, that made a, a big impression. Um, I appreciate you doing this. He laughed in a way that was like, "No, man, like there's no way we're gonna let you do that." Like we, not that I'm above it, but basically, he's like, "No, you're a guest." We'll put it that way. He's like, "No, you're you're like kind of you're on the guest list." Essentially, I wasn't, but he treated me like I was. So he's like, "No," he's like. Uh, it's going to be a while. Like we got people setting up. We're good. As far as that's concerned. Um, there's a little bar across the way. Do you know? And there's a guy by the name of Jay. Um, do you know Jay? I was like, well, I don't know Jay at all, but I knew who Jay was because I had followed Jay kind of since like the MySpace days. Even he was working with another big, big brand back then. And when I was on MySpace, like I had like a a little fixation on like the whole like Vegas scene almost like the people were at the rehab pool and probably because there's just tons of like super hot chicks like and the photos always like got little little rehab logo. Um, Anyway, I knew who he was. I'd seen his pictures. I'd followed him on MySpace and followed him on whatever. I don't know. It's probably not Facebook, but Instagram and all that stuff. So I knew who he was and I knew he was really high up at the company. So he's like, I'll take you over to the bar. Jay's there now, and uh, you guys can just have a drink and hang out until it's time. So I was like, well, that's awesome. So I go, and I meet Jay, and he's friendly, and we start having a drink or whatever. Well, not long after that, Carrie walks in and sits down. So keep in mind, I've met Carrie once in person at the Atlanta thing, but it was literally just like a handshake. You know, we talked for a minute or two about I can't, I couldn't even tell you what. And then that was it. You know, he's just he's just a super friendly person. If you've never met Carrie, like if you meet him and he's got time, like he's going to talk to you like you guys are old friends and he's genuine about that. So uh, really cool guy, but was just friendly. So this time he comes in the bar and he sits down with me and Jay and we're at a table with only three chairs. So there's one chair open and he has a seat. I'm thinking, well, this can't be bad. Worst case, I'm going to have some beers with Carrie, and that's a good story. So he sits down. I think Jay introduces me, and he introduces the fact that I work for Shock Mansion, which at the time, I was also probably doing hardwood flooring, which I've done on and off for a lot of years. But that doesn't sound cool. Shock Mansion, like working for the website, which was true. You know, I really was working for them. uh, Sounds a lot cooler. So I was like, yeah, pretty sure I'm just going to run with that. Uh, that we, uh, I work for shock mansion. We won't say anything else. So when he introduces me as, you know, having worked or being working for shock mansion at 
that's not how you say that, but um, working for Shock Mansion, uh, Carrie's instantly like, dude, I look at that website every single morning when I have my coffee, and then he kind of started naming off some stuff to the point where I'm like, oh, shit, he, he's not just saying that like to make me feel good. He definitely looks at the website on a regular basis, which I thought was dope. So we have a few PBRs, uh, we have a shot or two, and I'm like, dude, this could not be any better. And then I notice I don't have my phone with me because I'm a professional podcaster and I'm, uh, I don't do stuff like that. But anyway, so Carrie picks up his phone and like, I see him kind of like angle it towards the table and I'm sitting directly across from him and I see him snap a photo. So I make a mental note. I'm like, scour social media for that photo. So anyway, he ends up leaving. He's got stuff to do. Jay's like, all right, cool. Well, I got to bounce. Are you going to be at the thing later? They were having like an event at a nightclub or something. I was like, yeah, I'll absolutely be there. So I hop on Carrie's Instagram and he's already posted the photo and it says Hart and Huntington official meeting. You know what, dude? I would have to go back so far because that was years and years and years and years ago, but I kind of want to do it now. Um, if I find it, I'll throw the I'll throw the screenshot on this version of YouTube. If I don't find it or I get lazy, you're not seeing it. And that's why. But anyway, Hart and Huntington official meeting going down and none of us were in the photo. It was a photo of the table, but you could see my arm. Like I can't remember which arm, but like, I think you could tell it was me or you could tell it was my tattoos. And I was so pumped. Like I probably shared that photo. I can't remember how many times And I instantly sent it to like every single person in my contact thing. And I took it as a screenshot so people would see he posted it. Like I was so pumped on that. Just just that interaction. Like if nothing came of me working for the company, that was a good trip. That made the whole trip worth it. It was cool. Uh, Because I was a huge fan, you know, like growing up, he was like one of my idols as far as motorcycles. So... I end up hanging out, uh, good conversation with Jay, who was the general manager at the time. And, um, he got my number and he's like, if you ever end up in California, uh, let me know. We'll end up, you know, we'll find a spot for you, whatever. And I was like, holy shit. So I hit him up like directly after that and was probably like pestering the shit out of him. And he was just kind of like, eh, you know what? Like, yeah, there's, there's no real position for you like right now, like, but let's keep in touch. And then I'm sure I tried to bug him a little bit more and he was probably nice about it. Just in not so many words, Hey, leave me alone for now. Um, but that's just cause they didn't need anything apparently. So fast forward a long, long, long way. Um, I am in California. Finally, I moved there, you know, just because I was a single dude with no kids. For those that don't know that story, maybe I'll tell that one at another time too. But super young, moved there one time, screwed that up royally, came back for a few uh, months, reset, regrouped, went back out there like an idiot again, did not do things right. Somehow it miraculously panned out where I was able to stay this time. But anyway, I'm in California and... At the time that I start doing stuff with Hart and Huntington, finally, like I kept touch with Jay, like I kept trying to like be in the mix or be around or like keep my name like at the front, you know, of, of his mind. And, and I mean, just the company in general, you know, like wearing the clothes, tagging in the post and whatnot. Um, but at the time, 
I'm working two jobs in California. So I'm working a third shift job at a wheel repair shop. And really, I needed a job. Like I needed money really, really, really bad. But I was working that wheel job because I got hired on as a CNC machine operator. So I had zero experience, but that's something I've always wanted to learn. So a CNC machine is... There's a bunch of different kinds. There's a bunch of different levels to it. And essentially what I was doing is like the very ground floor, which is what you want, which is only two axes. The machine moves in two different ways. Um, But they hired me for that job uh, over qualified people because I was so damn passionate about it. Like to me, like the CNC machine, like operator position was so awesome to take like which is granted, this is not what I was doing, but you know, when you think about it, you think about a CNC machine just can take like, that's how most wheels are made. Um, not wheel repair, but how wheels are made, like the, the big fancy ones, it's just a big solid block of aluminum, like a big giant block of aluminum. And then you take this machine that literally carves out every single little detail. So you have to program all that stuff in and change the tips on the, the cutter and, all this elaborate stuff. And I was just always amazed by that, even as a kid. So I did have like a passion for that and they hired me on for that. Well, it wasn't enough money. So I saw an ad, I believe it was on Craigslist. And I think they had it listed as just like general labor, general construction or something like that. But when I looked up the address you were supposed to go to for the interview, It was only like a mile or two away from where I was living at the time. So I'm like, shit, that would be perfect. So I get there and what it is, it's um, two guys that have their own business and they make furniture and different things out of wine barrels. A lot of you will remember me doing that stuff. Um, But what they did was they brought in like, there was literally a shit ton of people that showed up. Um, And they said, hey, look, everybody's hired for today and throughout like the rest of the week, we're just going to start weeding people out. And I can't remember what the starting pay was. Like, I don't remember if it was eight bucks or 10 bucks or something, but I needed the extra money. So I showed up and I would work there for like as many hours, I guess, as I could pull off and still like go home and sleep or rest enough to work a third shift job all night. Um, well, anyway, I ended up getting hired on. I hired like two or three of us, um, I was doing that and then doing the wheel thing at night, uh, which was not ideal, you know, but I really needed the money. So I wasn't complaining at the time. And then they hired all these people at the wine barrel place. Sorry if this is too much detail. I'm just trying to be thorough without getting too far into the, the weeds here. So they hired all these people because these were two guys just like making stuff on their own and selling stuff on Etsy. Well, that evolved into one of the buyers from like Home Goods, TJ Maxx, and there's like a third branch of that same type of store. Um, one of those buyers ended up find, finding their stuff on Etsy and placed like a massive order, like two or three semi truck full of stuff, whereas they're selling like one or two pieces a day or something roughly, you know, like that. So anyway, they freak out. Oh, shit, we have to hire a bunch of people like as quick as we can. So I end up getting hired on, well, halfway through one of the partners, I'm really not sure what happened to him, if he just like had anxiety or was stressed or what, but he kind of bounced 
from the company a little bit um, halfway through. So I was talking to the other guy, and he's like, look, man, like you're doing good. Like I enjoy having you here and all this kind of stuff. He's like, would you want to be a partner in this? I was like, bro, I have less than no money. Like I probably had no money at all and probably owed people money and owed bills and stuff. So I was like, I have no money to do this. I would love to, but I can't. He's like, look, I don't really mean a partner like that. He's like, I just need someone that can be here. Because they were running like two shifts, I think, like a first and a second shift just to make sure we were going to get the orders done on time. And then when the other guy bounced, he didn't really have anyone to cover. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll do that. So he was going to pay me a little bit more. And, you know, there was going to be work after. That was a big thing, too, is it's like, hey, after this order, like we probably won't have the need for a lot of these people. But I'll keep you around. So that was a big incentive for me, too, because I really, really enjoyed that job. Super close to the house. Plus, eventually, it would have turned into like a daytime job because I hated third shift. I liked running that CNC machine, like resurfacing wheels and stuff and learning the whole process. That part was cool, but every other aspect of that job pretty much sucked. So I remember that was a big incentive was, you know, oh, it might get me out of the wheel shop. So when I agreed, he said, cool. He said, can you be here tonight? I was like, oh, bro, I got to go to work tonight. Like, I got to go in a couple hours or something. He's like, well, that's kind of the thing. Like, if we do this, I need you to start tonight. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this company took a huge chance on me and, like, hired me with no experience. And I can't remember how long I'd been there at this point, but now I'm going to bail. Uh, that was hard for me to do, but I did end up calling in and just saying, Hey, look, like I really, really hate to do things this way. It's not my style, but this is kind of out of my control. The opportunity presented itself and I'm going to have to do it. So I ended up quitting and doing the wine barrel thing, which was good because right around that time, uh, I started chatting with Jay Moore and he's like, Hey man, I think we're going to be able to figure out something for you but we kind of want you to do like an internship for a while um, until we figure it out. And I was over the moon. I was like, absolutely. So luckily at the wine barrel thing, once we got like that big, big order done, I kind of got to make my own hours. Like if we had orders, like people had placed orders on Etsy, then if we didn't already have the stuff built, we would have to build it. But as long as there were no orders to be done, he would kind of pay me to come in and like either build stock. So like build the most popular items just so we had them to ship as soon as we got an order. But if, you know, we were kind of caught up on all that, he would just let me like prototype. Like if you have any ideas of ways to build the things we already make better or just original ideas, you're welcome to try them. So I had a lot of freedom, which allowed me to go intern at Hart and Huntington like a good bit, which was awesome. And I was mainly doing like warehouse stuff, like inventory stuff, a little bit of that, but just hanging out in the corporate office with uh, my still, you know, I'm still friends with uh, Donnie, who was the graphic designer at the time. He had an office in-house, super, super cool dude, cannot say enough good things about Donnie, but it was basically just him and Jay, and that was kind of the the corporate office, and Jay was like a do-it-all guy, so like, his title, I guess at that time, was like the head of marketing, but he's the general manager. He's like the business manager. Like he was basically running the whole show. So I was kind of his right hand man. 
and did a lot of different things, which was fine by me because it kept it from being boring. And I was starting to learn like so much, like see behind the curtain, finally see the process and, and get to do all the the cool guy stuff. And he got that. And, and, you know, he respected that and brought me in as much as he could on stuff. Like they would have like athletes drop by or have like an athlete meeting. He's always let me sit in and they're usually like BMX guys or dirt bike guys that I've known for a long time. So that was cool. So I do the internship for a good little while and then he's like hey man i think we've got a position for you and uh so i ended up leaving the wine barrel thing and starting to work for hart and huntington well i can't remember the exact timeline but i want to say it was like not very long like maybe even just only a week or something um he kind of dropped the bomb on me he's like hey we're going to move the corporate office from california to vegas and we need you to go And I love living in California, but I love the idea of working for that company more. So I'm like, shit. Okay. So I go home, talk to my girlfriend at the time, and I thought she was not going to be thrilled. And she was pretty happy about it. She's like, you know what? Like, I've kind of been, you know, not super pumped on California. She had been there a few years longer than I had. So she was kind of over some of the stuff. She's like, I'm down to make a change or whatever. So she was down to move with me, which was really, really awesome. So I ended up moving to Vegas um, with the company. And we were kind of going out there to like restructure things with the tattoo shop. uh, Because like I said, it was the first shop with a show on television. And because of that, they were wildly successful. Like people would line up outside the door and wait in line all day and you may not even get in the shop to like talk to someone or set an appointment or do whatever like super super busy tons of online sales like things were just jamming because of the tv show you know they had nat you know national recognition plus the fact that their shop was in vegas like vegas such a huge destination everybody goes to vegas you know some people (laughs) for different things but um most people go to Vegas at least once or twice a year. So it's like a hub and there's tons of people, you know, that have seen the show. So business was booming. Well, this is like, I came on like 10 years after the show. So things weren't quite the same if you catch my drift. So Jay is like a marketing genius, marketing guru. So he wanted to be kind of closer to the shop where he could get things jamming again. So since I was in the corporate office and with Jay, I ended up moving out there and kind of did a little bit of everything, man. Like I literally was not above anything. Like, so we get out there, I take over the warehouse. I'm doing all the shipping for the online orders. I'm helping out at the tattoo shop to the point where like, I'm just dropping off supplies and helping with inventory stuff. But then like I start logging some hours like behind the counters, just like counter staff you know, and then helping Jay with any and everything in between. And then there was also a lot of really cool stuff that went along with that. So any of my Harley people or motorcycle people, I'm sure you've heard of Unknown Industries, the guys doing wheelies on Harleys. So we did a bunch of co-branding stuff with them, which is how I got to meet all those guys. Uh, A lot of perks with that job. But things kind of ran their course and, you know, I had some differences, you know, with some people and it was just, it was just going to be better to, to part ways. And it sucked because I was so close with a lot of those people. Like 
that work there. I got so close in such a short amount of time because there's such solid people there, you know. So it sucked to part ways, but we ended up parting ways. Um, pretty much everybody in the company, except for, you know, one person, everything was no love lost, good blood. And then myself and that person ended up bearing the hatchet. I consider him a, a good friend today. Like we keep in touch, we talk. And uh, he's working on some other stuff now, and I'm hoping to help him out with that. So that's kind of, you know, things kind of panned out and, and played out like, you know, where everything's all good now. I still talk to people in the company. Like I said, you know, Donnie, as well as some other people um, to this day. And who knows, maybe I'll end up doing some some stuff with them in the future. But I just kind of wanted to share that story with you guys because that's something that like I think, and this isn't a dig on like any of my friends at all because I get how a lot of people would be like, oh, this is an unrealistic deal. Like you're not just going to show up to these things and talk to these people and get your foot in the door with no experience. Like it just seemed like an unattainable goal and like at the time I was just probably too naive to believe that like something wasn't possible and you shouldn't believe that something's not possible. Cause like I said, with Carrie, like if one person's done it, that means you can do it too. But just because no one's done it doesn't mean you can't do it. Like there's people making money doing crazy things where you're like, that's a real job and you get paid to do that. You know, which case in point, kind of like what I do now. Like I love every single thing about what I do now. Um, the companies that I work for take good care of me and no, literally it's cliche, but it does not feel like work. Like no day feels like work to me because I enjoy so much of every single step of what I do. But kind of, you know, the point of telling you guys that was just to say like, you know, if, if you're working like some job that you don't love, like I was doing hardwood, like, yeah, I had the shock mansion thing, but they weren't paying me shit. And, you know, it was just, I had to to do manual labor for a living and that was fine, but I wasn't pumped on it. Like I wasn't excited to go to work. Like it was decent money, but that was all it was like a, a good check. So I kept dreaming. I kept trying to figure out ways and like, man, I wish I was a little better with these timelines, but just so you guys know, like the Atlanta thing, and then the timeline as far as like the Orlando thing, there was a big gap in between. It's not like Atlanta was one weekend, oh shit, that didn't work. Orlando was the next weekend, oh shit, that kind of worked, but not really. And then I'm in California the next weekend and have the job. And this is on a month timeline. Like, bro, we're talking like years, you know, like not years, years, but there's probably two years or so roughly from like start to like from Atlanta to when I like worked for Hart and Huntington. It might have even been two and a half years. I don't know. I suck with, with timelines as far as stuff like that goes, but it always stayed like a prominent thing in my mind and something I was always looking for, like an angle, like, Hey, how can I do this? How can I achieve this? And I really encourage everybody that I talk to either on social media or in person or whatever that is not pumped on their job. I'm like, dude, what would you do if you didn't need to earn money? And then when they tell me the thing, I can usually think of some job, no matter how obscure like the thing is that they name, because usually not that crazy. People name generic basic stuff typically. But anyway, I can usually name something where like, 
oh, well, what about this? These kind of people probably make decent money and that's in the same field and you can just kind of transition into this. And I'm always met with some kind of resistance. Like, it's so annoying. A friend of mine, not really a friend, we we don't talk. So (laughs) a person I know uh, wanted to do photography full time, uh, worked whatever kind of job. I said, well, do photography in your part-time. Well, I don't have the right camera. I said, well, you can rent a camera. Well, I don't really have the money. So, okay, well, you can rent the camera. Renting cameras and equipment is not as much as you guys think, in case you're wondering or, or that's an idea you have as well. It's like, okay, you rent the camera for 100 or 150 or whatever it is. So let's say it's not that much even. Let's just say 100 bucks. So you rent a camera and a decent lens for 100 bucks. Okay, spend like a few nights every week before you rent the camera studying that camera, studying how to use it so you don't waste any time the day you get your hands on it. Once you have a shoot book, let's say you're paying 100 bucks for the equipment, book a shoot for 150, 175, 200 bucks. You know, I don't know as someone who makes a living with a camera, I don't do stuff like that, so I don't know what photo shoots cost, but I got to feel like 175 bucks is not a, a crazy thing. I don't know, headshots or family shots or Santa photos, some kind of, somebody will pay you 175, 200 bucks. So the point is you can rent the equipment, charge the client and the client is technically paying for the equipment rental. And then you still put a little in your pocket, which doesn't go in your pocket. It goes in the sock drawer as I need to buy my own damn camera. So I don't have to waste money renting it. Well, then I was met with the excuse of, Oh, well, I can't. I have my daughter. I said, okay, well, I mean, don't do raunchy pictures. Like, don't be doing nudes. Do something cool and take your daughter. That's time for you guys to hang out, have fun, and she can kind of learn and watch and see too. And she's watching her mom, like, start this whole journey, this whole grind and this hustle. And she's taking notes. Like, you don't think kids are paying attention. They're paying attention. They're like, Oh, that's how mommy did this and got out of the job that she complains about every day. They just thought, well, I don't know. I can't remember how the conversation went. The point is she had a lot of excuses and she's never going to do shit because she's always going to find an excuse. Whereas I could have made plenty of excuses. Oh, I went to Atlanta. Dude laughed at me. Like, so there's not a position. Oh, well, let me keep doing hardwood. You know, same thing. Went to Orlando, you know, we kind of thought, oh, there's something there. Hit him up after, oh, there's nothing there. Well, guess guess I should quit, you know. Two and a half years. Like, that time was going to pass regardless of whether I was still pursuing that or not. So, it serves you best to continue to pursue. And I know I said at the beginning we're not going to get all preachy and whatever. And I'm not trying to. I'm literally just trying to encourage you. So, we'll we'll just end it there. Um, if there's something you want to do, man, like fucking go do it, like try to do it, figure out a way you're not qualified, like learn the qualifications as you're trying to get it, you know, like study up, research the industry, research the company, research the business, whatever it is you need to be doing. Like the shit's probably on YouTube. You know, there's, there's something you can learn. There's podcasts you can listen to. There's books you can read. There's stuff you can do to kind of help make yourself more valuable or give yourself better odds at at getting into whatever field you're trying to get into. And again, I'm not with that company now, not to say I may not do stuff with them later, but at the time, that was my dream job. That was my goal. 
And who knows, maybe it's it's another stepping stone that led me to where I'm at now, which I'm super pumped on. So it's all part of the journey. You know, I would say go for it. If there's anybody out there listening that is tired of their job or not even tired of it, don't even hate it. Like you're just going for the money or like whatever. If you're not happy, forget the money, forget everything else like you got to be happy, man. And there's ways to make good money and be happy while you're doing it. Like people will tell you they're not, or they'll try to shit on your dreams. And that's because either they don't make good money or they don't enjoy their job. And again, it's cliche and I hate to say it, but it's absolutely true. Misery loves company. It's crabs in a bucket. They'll literally pull you down when they see you trying to chase your goals, because then it's going to make them feel like a piece of shit. You know, you're like, you're over here killing it, making jet ski money and enjoying what you do. And they're still a slave to the, to the man, the nine to five, the job they hate, the, the boss they have to suck up to. They have to watch what they say. They have to wear some stupid clothes that they don't want to wear. Like it's going to make them feel worse. So instead of them going out and applying themselves, it's easier for them to be like, no, 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 that's unrealistic. Don't do that. Luckily, none of my friends ever did that. They just kind of let me go do it on my own and, and sat back with popcorn and watched. But either way, sorry for all the delay with the episodes. Like I, At this point, I'm not even going to try to tell you guys like, oh, I'm going to do more consistent. I do. I want to do them. But at this point, we're just going to have to do what we can do. So thank you for listening, especially if you're listening to this part, which means you listen to the very end. Like, I appreciate the absolute shit out of you guys. Um, thank you for sharing it. Like, dude, people still are, people are listening to old episodes or go back and listen to episodes. I'm like, I hate hearing myself talk, not just because of the ridiculous sound of my voice, but like, I don't know. It just seems cringy, but I'm super pumped that you guys like it, that you guys listen to it that you're watching on YouTube, which I suck at uploading to as well, but it is what it is. Thank you guys so much for listening. You've been listening to the self-made podcast. If you feel that others may benefit from this podcast, please help spread the word by sharing with friends and leaving us a review. Thank you.